How's everybody feeling? Everybody doing good? So I thought worship was great today, and I'm not necessarily just talking about the worship team. I think that you guys just have been doing an awesome job. More of you are getting engaged with it, and it really makes a big difference. So thank you for that. And the presence of God is just here today. So I always feel good when, you know, just the tangible presence of the Lord is so evident. I want to um, start a different theme. We've been on a theme about the person of Christ, the work of Christ, for quite some time, actually. And uh, I want to start something. I just feel kind of to shift things into a different theme today. And going forward for a while, and I want to talk about, I want to do some more simple stuff today and going forward, because I think, you know, sometimes we can lose the forest from the trees, amen? (laughs) And I want to talk to you about developing a supernatural lifestyle. And I hope you realize, I believe you do, but I hope you realize that we are living in an incredible time in the church. I'm always a little confused when I hear people talk about the good old days, because I try to figure out what days were those. (laughs) You know, we have selective memory, I think, sometimes. And you hear people talk about, well, just give me that old time religion or looking back to things that God did, you know, in in whatever movement. We can pick our favorite movements and and talk about how they impacted culture and impacted things. And and I guess, you know, it depends on if you're a glasses half full or a glass is half empty kind of person. But there are people that say, well, the church has gone backwards or whatever. And I don't believe that's the case at all. I believe that we are living at the most incredible time in history. And I believe that there is more available to every single child of God, every single believer, in terms of supernatural experiences on a consistent basis than there has ever been at any time, anywhere, any place. You know those guys that have... Yeah, that's a good time to just give the Lord a shout. I really do believe that. I really do. You know those guys that we like to talk about that had that old-time religion or those great moves of God or whatever, you know, they've gone on to their reward. They've passed into what the Bible calls the great cloud of witnesses, and they're actually surrounding us and watching us because they have a stake. And they're not looking back at what they did. They're looking forward in the event horizon of God, waiting to see what is going to rise out of the church in this generation. And I believe there's a lot to be excited about, and I believe there's a lot that's available to every single one of us. And I believe that you make a difference. You make a difference by being here. You make a difference by going to work, by raising your family. Uh, Just by being you, you have no idea the impact and the difference that you're making. But I also believe that we have no idea what's available to us in terms of a supernatural lifestyle. And I think that for some of us, there's still misunderstanding about what ignites or activates the supernatural things in our lives. You know, we're living in an incredible time. I was just thinking about it. There are more people having encounters with heaven today than maybe any other time, certainly since I've been a Christian. There are more people talking about, you know, actually leaving their bodies and going into heaven. There are more people having interactions with angels. You'd be surprised how many people just in this church have had incredible interactions with with angels and situations. There's people 
that I know personally, uh, it's never happened to me, but hey, you know, I'm waiting for it. Uh, but there's people I know personally that have been literally translated from one location to the next. They leave in their vehicle or whatever, uh, a trip that should take them several hours and they get there in a few minutes. It's in your Bible. <laughs> You know, back in the good old days when we had the healing evangelists, you had one healing evangelist. Now you have whole churches and uh, p- people that are, are activated and, and motivated and moving and healing and signs and wonders and all kinds of stuff. And so the supernatural world is opened up to believers like at, at no time ever before. And you have a part in it. You have a place in it. And I want to talk to you about a supernatural lifestyle, not a supernatural once in a while. <laughs> I'll say that again. I want to talk to you about a supernatural lifestyle, not a supernatural once in a while. Not once in a blue moon, but every day having supernatural guidance. Every day encountering walking with angels. Every day walking in the heavens. Every day uh, uh, encountering the presence and the power of God in your life. Every day seeing prayers answered. Every day hearing from God. Every day walking in the supernatural. And it is available and it is possible and it is for you. It's your inheritance as a child of God. But part of our misunderstanding about the supernatural is we think that it's just supposed to happen. (laughs) We think if we get the code right, or we get the words right, or we get the formula right, or uh, we do something that God's in a good mood, or whatever. How many know God's always in a good mood? He really is. He really, really is always in a good mood. You know, Jesus told His disciples, He says, My joy I'm giving to you. They didn't say bummer. He's a man of sorrows and familiar with grief. But he says, my joy I'm giving to you. (laughs) Do you ever think about that? (laughs) All right. So we have to understand, first of all, okay, so we're going to be very simple. So it'll be very foundational for some of you, very much review. But you know what? Sometimes review is good because it just encourages you to do the things that you know you're doing. And sometimes you get tired of doing the things that you're doing that you know are keys, right? So I want to talk to you about keys. And how many you know little keys open big doors? Little keys make big things move. So you don't have to have deep mysteries all the time. And you don't have to have great revelation and great understanding and something new all the time to have big things take place. Sometimes there's just little things that you do, little things that you engage in day in and day out that make a huge difference in the world around you, even if you don't see it. And so one of the things that we need to understand is that the supernatural things really do measure out according to our level of development. Now, I believe in grace 100%. I believe in pure grace. I don't believe in legalism at all. I think that Christians have made things more legalistic than uh, Jews ever thought about making it. Like some people, if they would actually go live under the law, they'd have more liberty than they have right now. It's just the truth. And we're not supposed to be under the law anyway. So I believe in grace. But I also believe that that we don't just, you know, um, that that not everything is about earning merit with God. See, there's some people kind of that teach grace that say, well, anything you do then is works. Anything you do to try to activate something or get something happening, then that's just works. And and so you're sliding away from grace. That's not true. 
Because when the Bible talks about grace, it's talking about merit. Very specific in several places in Romans and Ephesians. Uh, one we could probably all quote, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not by works, right? Lest no one should boast. And, and the works there, he's talking about effort to merit salvation. And so there's nothing that you and I can do to merit salvation. There's nothing that we need to do to make God feel better about us. There's nothing that we need to do to convince God to give us something. How many of you know that? But we have to be developed in order to handle and possess what it is that God wants to give us. I'll give you a perfect example. I have two small boys. Now, I'm not really a car person. But if I was really into cars... And I had two little boys. I might be thinking about, boy, I can't wait till they can drive. I can't wait till we can work on cars together or something. And I might have in mind a certain car, certain vehicle or vehicles that I want to give to them. And I may just decide that I'm going to give them those cars by grace. That means they don't have to be good enough for it. They don't have to work for it. They don't have to do chores for it. They don't have to buy it. They don't have to do anything to earn it. They don't have to get in my good graces for me to want to give it to them. But how many of you know, at five and six years old, I'm not tossing them the keys? Why am I not tossing them the keys? Because they're not developed enough as persons. They're not mature enough and developed enough to manage and handle and be responsible for what I want to give them. And God is the same way. And our life in the Spirit is the same way. Everything in life requires development. Learning to ride a bike requires development. Learning to swim requires development. Learning to play an instrument requires development. And we understand that practice is part of the process. We understand that mistakes is part of the process. We understand that works and effort is part of the process. Right? Even if you have a talent. Now, there's some, you know, incredibly gifted people that can just sit down and play an instrument. But those people, if they develop the talent that they have, they can reach a genius level that, that very few people can. So they never maximize the potential of what's in them. And so I want to talk to you about maximizing the potential of what's in you as a child of the living God. I want to talk to you about maximizing the potential that's in you to live a supernatural lifestyle, not just a supernatural once in a while. Right? So you have to develop these things. You have to engage with these things. And I want to give you three simple Things. Very, very simple. And I'll give them to you up front and then we'll talk about each one. When I did this in the first service, I spent almost the entire time on the first one. I know that's a shocker to probably people. And I thought I could take each one of these and make it a message, you know. And we may come back and do that. But I want to give you three things that you can do in your life right now that will make a big difference. Little keys that will open big doors and get big things moving in your life. Right? Nick drives a semi-truck. But he doesn't have a semi-sized key. And he doesn't need a semi-sized key. Just a little key will get that big truck and that big load moving, right? And so some of you, I just believe, because the way God's laid this on my heart, that some of us and some of you, some of us, myself including this, we need some breakthroughs in our life. And in order to have breakthroughs in our life or in our family, whether it's a breakthrough physically, whether it's a breakthrough financially, whether it's a breakthrough in a relationship, a marriage, a family, whatever the case may be, breakthrough on the job, if you need breakthroughs, you need something supernatural to move in your life. But the reality is, until you move, God's probably not going to. 
So the first thing, I'll give you three things. One is you have to have desire. And, we're, and I want to talk, focus especially on just having desire for God. Because please understand that whatever we experience comes from God, God does with us in a relationship. It's not Him working independently of us, but it's also not us working independently of Him. It's us working together. So the foundation of a supernatural lifestyle is relationship with God. So how do we do that? How do we do relationship with God? What are some simple things that we can do? And the first thing you have to do is you have to have desire for it. The next thing you have to do is you have to have faith for it. And then finally, the third thing I want to talk to you about today is having honor for it or handling it or with honor. So we want to talk about desire. We want to talk about faith. And we want to talk about honor. Now, first off, I I don't want to get... I don't want to spend my whole time on desire. (laughs) So I just want to talk about having a desire for the person of God, for the being of God. And, you know, that's a desire that actually does come from Him. I don't believe every desire that you ask for has to come from God. I, I really believe He's interested in the desires of your heart. I don't think He wanted robots. I don't think he wanted to just sit up there and whisper his desires in your heart. I mean, what sense does that make? He's already got his desires. He can make them instantaneously. Part of what he desires is for you to work with your desires. <laughs> and we, we are so, you know, sin conscious sometimes in the church that we think, oh, you know, my desires could never be holy or for anything good or pure. And, and we have a tendency to think, well, if it's for anything in this natural world, then it's not an important or significant desire. No, I want to tell you, your desires matter. Your desires matter to God, and you're, it's okay if your desires matter to you Amen. for anything in life. God's interested in that stuff. But I want to talk about just having a desire for Him. And that is something that He gives us. That is something that He plants inside of our heart. You know, when you get saved, when you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, when you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, when you invite Him into your life, God puts a desire, He plants a desire inside your life for Him. Isn't that right? I mean, anybody that got, you know, and I, and I understand, look, I was raised in a Christian family, and so I, I kind of struggle with the whole got saved model terminology anyway, because uh, for some of us, it's like we were almost born into this stuff, we were just born into believing or whatever, and so it's like, well, I don't know when I got saved per se, but, but there comes a point in your life, I mean, I've got to believe everybody here has a desire for God. You don't come to a church like ours if you don't have a desire for God. If you just want a you know, motivational seminar, you go somewhere else. If you just want to have a few good laughs, be entertained, you go somewhere else. So anybody that's here, I'm already presupposing you have a desire for God. And that's a desire that God planted inside your life. But even with that, that desire has to be cultivated. See, God will start a spark. He'll put a flame inside you. But you have to fan that desire into flame. And it's very easy for other things in our lives to uh, dominate our attention or take hold of our attention so that that fire begins to wane and that fire begins to go out. But, but the great thing is, is the desire that God puts inside you, it really is an eternal flame. It may be barely burning for some of you. It may, may be barely smoking, smoldering for some of you, but it's still there. But you have to develop and you and I have to take responsibility for that and we have to stir up that desire that's inside our life. Yeah. 
Which means we have to remember how good God is because it's the goodness of God, understanding the goodness of God, that can uh, help us stir up that desire. Let me just read a few verses of Scripture for you to give you an idea of what I'm talking about from the book of Psalms. And so if you're there and you know, if you're here today and you know your desire for God has gotten kind of weak, you might just meditate on these scriptures for the next few days and see what happens. Psalm 84, the verse, the first three verses says, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. See, if your desire for God has left you, you've forgotten how lovely his dwelling place is. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Staying in Psalms and going back to Psalm 42. Uh, first couple of verses there. As a deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, when I can go and meet with God. And then Psalm 45, verse 1, I love this one. It says, my, my heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. Listen to this. My heart is stirred by a noble theme. My heart is stirred by a noble theme. So if your desire has gone out, you need to come back to the nobility of the gospel, the nobility of who you are. The nobility of who He is. The nobility of who you have been born to be as kings and priests for God. The nobility of, of all the different themes that impact your life. You know, if, if you're struggling with a desire for God, probably, you know, taping on your refrigerator, uh, if you're going to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, probably is not a good place to start. I'm just saying you got to have a lot of desire and passion. Jesus said that to people that were already following Him. Jesus said that to people who had already forsaken everything to follow Him. He didn't say that to the masses. So sometimes you just need to find the good word that's in, that's in the Bible, right? You need to find that noble theme about God and put that before your eyes so it begins to stir something up in your heart, begins to stir up that passion. And so you will not get anywhere without desire. The reality is, is that God responds more to feeling than He does to language. Now, I know that's a shock to you, especially if you came up in a real strong word, faith thing. Because it was all about just declaring the word, speaking the word, speaking the word. And I came up in that. And I remember they told me, if I just say it enough, it'll get into my heart. And I thought, okay, so I said it and said it and said it. And then I found a verse where Jesus said, these people draw near me with their mouths, but their heart is far from me. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's, that, that's not how that's supposed to work, because I'm supposed to just say it in my mouth. That's supposed to be planted in my heart. That's an impossibility based on what they taught me. But I began to reel, and, and they taught me, don't be moved by what you feel, and make sure you don't feel anything. <laughs> I'm just having fun. <laughs> but I, I began to realize, no, God responds to feeling. Your heart can be near Him and your mouth far from Him and He'll still respond. How many of you know that when the children of Israel were in bondage, they weren't praying, they weren't calling on God, but the Bible says that the groaning of the children of Israel came up to the Father because of their bondage. So in other words, they were feeling the oppression of their bondage and it was causing a groan to come up. Why do you think God wait, waited 430 years to deliver them? <laughs> they didn't articulate it. <laughs> 
But the groaning, the feeling, the passion came up. And so God responds to that passion. And God always responds to passion. God always responds to desire. Otherwise, Jesus was lying when He said, If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. So He responds to hunger. He responds to thirst. He really does. And sometimes we get discouraged in our hunger and thirst and think God's not going to respond. And so we're afraid to extend our desires out like that. But Jesus himself said, if you hunger, if you thirst, if you ask, it'll be given to you. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open unto you. So you've got to work with that desire. Which leads me to my next part, which is faith. You have to believe that there's somebody up there listening. <laughs> you have to believe that you're going to get a positive response out of God based on the desire that you have for Him. Right? God's not hiding from you. <laughs> he really isn't. Now, when you talk about faith, it seems like we want to jump immediately into possessing promises. Faith for the promises, faith for the promised land, faith for things, faith for blessing, faith for victory, faith for abundance, faith for prosperity, faith for healing. And I, I love all that stuff. I'm not, I'm not down on it. But, but I want it to come out of a relationship with God. I don't want it to come because I'm working a formula. I don't want it to come because uh, I put myself in more bondage than I was before I got saved. <laughs> Because if I, you know, 100,000 positive confessions and five bad confessions ruins the whole thing. Hello. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but it's a good choir. But faith, first and foremost, is for connecting with God. Let's think about it. Hebrews 11.1, 1, most of you can probably quote it. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Right? And then just a few verses down from that, he says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God because those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the reward is in the future after you've diligently sought, right? So watch what he's doing. Last time I checked, God was an unseen being. <laughs> i say that again. Last time I checked, God was an unseen, existed in an unseen spiritual, supernatural world. Am I right? So you need faith to connect with Him. You need faith to relate to Him. If you're going to get reward from Him in the future, and faith is the substance of things hoped for, and hope is always in the future, then you have to have faith to engage God. And so I, I think sometimes we take it for granted. I think sometimes maybe we don't realize it takes faith to engage God. And faith does mean believing that you have received something from God. It really does. But I think we move into the material world way too quickly. And I think that's why things don't happen for us. Because the reality is, in order for something really supernatural to happen, it has to be birthed from the world of the supernatural, which is the world of the Spirit. And if we get focused on our needs, if we get focused on our aches and pains... If we get focused on our tribulating or whatever, our blessing, our victory, whatever, you notice how much of it's out here in this world. And so then we combat it, but we're combating it with a, a focus on materiality rather than coming from a place of real spirituality. 
And we try to get stuff that we're not developed yet in spirituality enough to handle. Or spiritually developed enough to initiate. Or spiritually developed enough to stop. Because we're locked into materiality. So our faith is given to us to help us navigate an unseen realm. That means the first part of this is you, ha- you and I have to be able to use faith to transcend our present moment. We have to use faith to be able to transcend our present circumstances. We have to use faith to transcend what we're seeing, to transcend what we're hearing in the natural world, to transcend what we're feeling, what the information that's coming from us to, to us, I'm sorry, from out here. So that we're using our faith to connect with God on a daily basis. We're using our faith to reach out into that realm of what's spiritual and supernatural. We're using our faith to develop ourselves spiritually and supernaturally. So that then when the time comes, we have access to the places out of which the blessing and the victory and the mountain moving and all that stuff comes from. Now, the interesting thing is, without faith, it is impossible to please God, because those who come to God must believe that He is. So, in other words, what the writer of Hebrews is telling us here is that we come to God by faith. We come to God by faith. Right? We don't come to Him by the law. So much of, we miss so much in interacting with God because we're hung up on the law. And we think we've got to come to Him on the basis of the law, or we come to Him on the basis of our do-goodness, <laughs> or do-badness, or whatever, right? But have you ever thought about this? The law, whether it's really, you know, the law of Moses, or whether it is some kind of Christian law you put on yourself, or whether it's just ethics, all of that has to do with the material world. Even Jewish rabbis will admit that. Everything that God gave them in the Torah had to do with stuff in this world. It had to do with purity. It had to do with who you're sleeping with, who you're not sleeping with. <laughs> had to do with whether how you washed your hands, what kind of food you're eating, what day you worship. So it keeps you locked into materiality. So if your focus with God is coming from the place of the law, it's impossible for you to get into faith Because the law necessitates that you focus on this physical material world. And as long as you're trying to live under the law, you're locked into materiality. And because you don't earn any merit with God, God doesn't move on your behalf because you were a really good person. You can be a really good person and be a baby in Christ. You can be a really moral, ethical, righteous, holy person and be an infant. In Christ, because you have not exercised yourself spiritually or developed yourself in a spiritual arena outside the realm of materiality, which is everything that the law and ethics has to deal with. The other thing the law does is it gets you to focus on you. (laughs) See, I know because I know because I've lived it. I've lived it. Maybe I'm sure none of you have. But I have lived this, you know, trying to live with contradiction. I know it's hard to believe. 
a shock to everybody except my wife and maybe my sisters and probably my mom and probably a few of you as well. Susie's probably not shocked. But there's contradiction in my life. I can't live up to everything I think I'm supposed to be as a Christian or as a son of God or certainly not as a pastor. Right? And, uh, you know, like that one about ruling your own house well. <laughs> having your kids in all submission to you. Anyway, we won't talk about that one or go there. But So, you know, sometimes I struggle when I get in the presence of God because all I'm thinking about is how I'm coming up short. But see, that's what the law does. The law gets you to focus on yourself. So you're either focusing on how well you're doing or you're focusing on how poorly you're doing. Either way, the, the person that's being highlighted in your experience is you. And when John was caught up on the Isle of Patmos, I'm sure John had a bad day. I mean, these guys are human. You know, if he's on the Isle of Patmos, I, my understanding is some kind of prison island, you know, making big ones out of little ones. I'm sure he had a few talks with God that weren't exactly holy. He was Jewish, for crying out loud. You know, I mean, he kind of wore his heart on his sleeve. You know what I'm saying? And he gets caught up into the heavens. And he's not like Isaiah. He's not like, oh, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a, I'm a man of unfit lips or whatever and, you know, all that stuff. But you know why? Because what's highlighted in his experience is not him. What's highlighted in his experience is the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. He said, I was caught up and I saw the throne, and behold, a Lamb. And, and he was in a company of people. Do you realize how foolish you are? I mean, seriously, like, like God is not usually alone. I'm just saying. Like everybody that encountered God, there was angels, or there was seraphim, or there was cherubim, or there was something else was there. Right? So do you realize how blind and foolish you look when you go into the presence of God and you start talking about you? Like you forget that everybody else is there and just put the spotlight on yourself. Either how bad you are or how good you are. It's two sides of the same sword. Because you don't approach God in that way. You approach Him by faith. That means you can be totally messed up, totally screwed up, totally living like trash, whatever. Uh, and you can come right into the presence of God. And if you're coming by faith, God's pleased. Now, I'm not saying you should go live like garbage because the, actually the Bible says there's a couple places in Scripture where it says what you do good, you do for yourself. See, God wants you to have the best possible life. There's a verse in Job that says if you're righteous, does it add anything to God? And if you're not righteous, does it take anything away from him? You're not adding or taking anything away from God. But the man who is righteous benefits himself, the Bible says. So you want to go out and live that kind of life, God's going to love you anyway. And you can come right into the presence of God. And if you're coming by faith, guess what? He's pleased. Because he's not judging you on the basis of the law. He's judging you on his love for you and what he did for you. And he's thrilled that you're coming to him by faith. So one of the first things you can start doing by faith is just engaging with his presence. That's where you should start anyway. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Lord, I'm approaching you. Lord, I thank you for your presence. 
So you have to learn. It's one thing to experience the presence of God when He's here, but it's another thing to be able to stir up the presence of God. How do you stir up the presence of God? When you don't feel anything, and by faith you begin to acknowledge, Lord, I thank You that You're here. St. Augustine, I uh, don't like everything St. Augustine said, but one of the things that St. Augustine said that I really like was he said, God is closer to us than we are to ourselves. The Apostle Paul said it this way, in him we live and move and have our being. So there's a place for just engaging God and practicing his presence. Lord, I don't know what you want from me. You know, you don't have to be an expert to talk to God. It's not like God saying, I'm going to wait for you to go through the prayer class before we can talk. You know, I don't know what to say to God. Give me a break. What do you mean you don't know what to say? It's because you're measuring yourself against somebody else that you heard pray. And you know what? God doesn't want that religious junk anyway. He wants your heart. So why don't you just start with hi? You don't know what else to say. How about, how's it going? Life really stinks. Maybe it's like, hey, have you taken a look down here lately? <laughs> have you seen <laughs> what I'm going through? I'm just curious. <laughs> just to say that means you're taking faith to engage with God. Start, keep it up. <laughs> you know, don't get discouraged on day three. My kids weren't potty trained on day three. And neither were you. I'm just saying, you didn't learn to walk on day three. Things you take really for granted, you put a lot of effort into it. There were some bumps and bruises along the way. So don't be, you know, a snot-nosed bratty kid that just goes to God like grandpa in the sky and thinks you just bat your little eyebrows at him, or eyelashes, not eyebrows. It'd be kind of hard to bat your eyebrows. <laughs> bat your little eyelashes at him and think he's going to be like, oh, he's still my heart. Here you go. What do you want? What, what can I get for you? We'll, we'll let the pastor and the leaders, you know, the, the, we'll let the real parents discipline you. But that, that's not God. Quit being so spoiled. You're, 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 ev- you're showing how immature you are by what a brat you are in the presence of God. I'm just saying. At some point, somebody needs to tell you, grow up. You know, life stinks sometimes. And just because it didn't happen in three days or three months, don't get, you know, don't be like the kid on the playground that packs up his stuff and goes home. You're not very developed. I can tell you exactly why you have no breakthrough. You're stinking immature. (laughs) And it's time to grow up. All right. Oh, don't think I haven't had the Lord tell me that. You see, you all thought I was talking to you. No, 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 no. I was just remembering an experience in my head. I remember going through a really desperate time and just, just really laying it on thick with God. Oh, God, you know, I've got all these prophetic friends, and I didn't know how a certain situation was going to turn out, and I knew how I wanted it to turn out, and I knew how I believed it was going to turn out. And I'm like, Lord, I have all these prophetic friends, man. They're really right on. I mean, I have friends that I'm really, really good friends with that they, you know, they meet with presidents of nations every year and give them words. And, 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 you know, I really could use a word. Couldn't you just have one of them send me an email or give me a call and just let me know what it is that you're doing? Because I'm, have you looked down here lately and my faith is feeling really weak? 
And I could just use the encouragement. Come on, God. We're supposed to be edifying one another. We're supposed to be encouraging. That's why you gave prophets to begin with. It says right here in 1 Corinthians 14. (laughs) And I'll never forget the voice of the Lord just shot back through me and said, I will not, not allow you. (laughs) Wait, let's see. I will not allow you. Let me say it this way. I will not allow you to not walk by faith. That was his way of saying, quit sniveling, wipe your tears, put your big boy spiritual pants on, and start believing without confirmation. Amen? All right. Third thing, I'll get off, I'll get off my case now, because that was all about me. Not you. You got no brats in here. Just one. <laughs> the third one is honor. And this is an area that I think in our culture we really need to grow and develop in. Learning how to honor what's really important. And learning how to show and give expression to honor. Honor is so important. Honor, Jesus in his own hometown of Nazareth, It says in Mark's gospel, he could do no mighty work there. But in the other gospels, it says, it says, he says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. So Jesus showed up ready to do mighty works there just like anywhere else. But because there was no honor in the people, there was nothing he could do to bless their life. So if we don't learn how to be people of honor, then we're shortchanging ourselves Because in a lot of ways, honor is one of the currencies of heaven that we exchange, that we we give honor and it releases life. It's in the Ten Commandments, isn't it? Honor your father and mother that you may live long and that it may go well with you. So honor releases life and well-being. And it is a principle that works throughout in the things of the kingdom. So here's how this works. You have a desire for God. You have to honor that desire. You honor that desire by spending time with Him, by fanning it into flame. So you have faith. You honor your faith by not sniveling. (laughs) Right? You honor your faith. You acknowledge there are good things in me. There really is. The Bible says in Philemon 1.6, your faith becomes effective by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ. So as you acknowledge the good things that are in you in Christ, your faith becomes more effective. If your attitude is, I don't know why God would want to do this, I wouldn't want to do this for me. Pack up and go home. Or change your attitude. Right? Realize there's good stuff in you. And it's great for God to tell me, you don't need to be dependent on a prophet for a word to know that I'm with you. (laughs) Be your own oracle. All right. So some ways you can show honor. One of the first ways is just declaring with your mouth who God is. That's That's what we do in praise and worship. Do you realize... 
that praise and worship is one of the opportunities that you have to show honor by showing honor to Him. And the depth of your worship really does reveal the depth of value that you have in your heart for who He is. I didn't say the demonstrativeness of your worship. I said the depth of your worship. Don't confuse the two. (laughs) But what's in your heart? But express it. Declaring who He is. Showing honor for yourself by declaring who you are based on the good things that are in you in Christ. So in other words, you don't go approaching God. Have you seen what a mess I made down here? I mean, you can. But there comes a point where it's like, okay, I made a mess. A person of honor cleans it up. Show me how to clean it up. Give me wisdom. What do I do here? How do I handle this situation? The honorable person is not the person who never makes a mess. The honorable person is the person who makes a mess but then cleans it up. Takes ownership of it and fixes it. Amen? I'll tell you just a short story about honor and where, where I learned this. Because here, here's another part about honoring. Honoring the small tokens of things that God does for you. So, in other words, if you're in worship and you begin to feel the presence of God as a feeling, you honor that feeling. You don't take it for granted. And you honor that feeling by giving yourself to that feeling even more. If you feel ecstasy or joy beginning to come over your life, you honor that by giving into it. Not, you dishonor it by resisting it. Maybe it's tears. You, you just get in the presence of God and these tears are starting to flow, but you're, you're, maybe you're around people and you don't want to look silly. So what you're doing is you're choosing to honor people more than you're choosing to honor the experience that God's giving you. You know, I do understand it because I'll share a story with you about how I messed that up. But on on the other hand, from a different perspective, I don't understand it because here we want breakthrough. We want supernatural things to happen. And God starts to show up and we're like, oh, no, 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 no. Showing that we really do value our dignity more than we value deliverance that we've been crying out for or the experiences that we're crying out for because I don't want to look foolish. I got news for you. The Bible said God chooses. It says He didn't choose the wise things. He didn't really choose the noble things or the important things. He didn't choose the powerful things. He says, I'm going to choose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. So if you really want God to show up, there's just... Darn it, there's sometimes you have to look foolish. In fact, the Bible says the natural person does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, not because they're natural, but because the things of the Spirit of God are foolishness to them. So careful how you judge. Careful what you judge. Careful who you judge. In fact, just don't judge. And it'll all be good. Right? But we, we had had a, a guest speaker. And, I, you know, I, these guys were older than me. It was a time when I was lot, this many years ago. And older than me. Man, it's a stretch to call them sophisticated. <laughs> it's a stretch to call them sophisticated. But, but I looked up to them. I didn't to say they were more sophisticated, but that really wasn't true. It, it doesn't matter. Julie knows what I'm talking about. 
She didn't nod her head. But I looked up to them. They were, they, they were older in the Lord. They were more mature. They're, you know, you measure yourself by people, right? And so he's doing this teaching, and it was right about this time that we had started experiencing just this incredible move of God and this crazy move of God that we were experiencing in, in the life of our church. And, and I, I suspected that these guys wouldn't be on board with it, and actually my suspicions later on were proven to be true. They weren't. <laughs> but I didn't know that at the time. I just suspected it. And we were, had a lot of, you know, like the holy laughter thing and the joy in the Lord and, and all that good stuff that we were experiencing as a church. And the brother was teaching during the message, and all of a sudden I began to feel that joy just beginning to rise up in me and that just that drunkenness where we just act foolish. And I'm like, God, I ain't going to hang, you know, with that. You know, I've got scripture. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Uh, let all things be done decently and in order. It says it right here, Lord. It is written. <laughs> so, held it in, held it back. Finished with the teaching. Nice little prayer. Amen. And darn, you know, all these people want to hear from God. Why? <laughs> Why do you want to hear from God? Because sometimes He says things to you that... Uh, So I did that, and the Lord said, just wanted to let you know that you showed me that you prefer the honor that comes from men more than you prefer the honor that comes from God only. And there's actually a story in the Gospels where Jesus rebukes the religious. And it's like, you know, in our movement, you could be anything but religious. Okay. Like, that's the worst thing you could be, right? But he told that religious crowd, he said, how can you expect to get anything, that's my paraphrase, when you seek the honor that comes from men more than the honor that comes from God? And I thought, oh. And I'm so thankful, because I made a decision. I don't know if I've done it right every single time. But I just made a decision right then, Lord, I will never do that again. I will never choose the honor that comes from men more than the honor that comes from you. And actually, we got the left foot of fellowship from that group because of the move of God. As a church, I mean, I've heard of a person being kicked out of a church. We were a church that was kicked out of a network, so... (laughs) I guess we went up to everybody. But you know, also, the Bible says if you seek to save something, you'll lose it. And sometimes what happens to us when we deny ourselves the honor that comes from God because we're seeking the honor that comes from people, then life just has a way of working out so that those people that we were so interested in courting honor from end up, terrorizing us anyway. I'm sorry, persecuting us anyway. (laughs) Or whatever. 
That's why we got to be careful. That's why we got to be careful in this political season. That we're not seeking the honor that comes from men or political parties more than the honor that comes from God. You cannot speak prophetically to a system that you are a part of. You cannot. And we got Ahab and Jezebel. Well, all right, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> we need an Elijah who's been standing in the courtroom of God. It's what we need. I'm just messing. Don't get all worked up. I'm just poking at you. That help you this morning? Three simple keys. Desire, faith, honor. Let's stand up. I want to, if you, um, if you're, if you're struggling in your faith, then just stop it. <laughs> just quit it right now. God's not impressed with your tears and crying and moaning and groaning. Put your big boy, big girl pants on. Right? If you haven't been showing honor, get in there and learn how to show honor. But if your desire, your passion, your thirst, your hunger for God has waned, you need some help transcending your present moment to experience the presence of God. If that's you today, we're going to close with the worship song, but if that's you today, I want to invite you to come forward. Now listen, everybody's had their desire wane for God. I've had my desire wane. You guys had your desire wane at some point in time in your life? Somebody that's had their desire waning at some point in time in their life. Let me raise your, raise your hand real big and high. The rest of you are liars. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, every hand went up even before I... Every hand went up. So you don't have to feel self-conscious if you come up because you're among family. You're among friends. You're among people that are not so spiritual that they're no good to you. I think I said that right. You're not among that group. (laughs) So I want to encourage you. We'll have our ministry teams up here. I want to encourage you to come forth. We'll just close with a song. God bless you. God loves you. I love you. I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a great week.